Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mugwon Tower, Mugwon Tower, this is Albatross 1-3, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Proton bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Hello and welcome to the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. I am your host, Dayton Johnson. And welcome to the second in a series of episodes where we look at underrated and underappreciated and some forgotten Disney animated classics. And so this time around, uh, I have three people that prefer the term adventure capitalist. Please welcome John Wright. Hello, John. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Disney John. Hello. Hey, Heidi. Hello there, neighbor. (laughs) And Liam Lewis. Hello, Liam. Ahoy. (laughs) (laughs) oh very cool okay so yes we are exploring some forgotten and underrated disney movies and this particular one we are going on an adventure we are going archaeological something like that we are going to in, in search of atlantis the lost empire of Atlantis. Pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong. That young thatch gets crazier every year. I can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time. Milo James Thatch. I'm acting on behalf of my employer who has a most intriguing proposition for you. It's the Shepherd's Journal. This journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. I'll never believe you. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a rowboat. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But forget the rowboat, son. We'll travel in style. You're going to need a crew. Yes, Mr. Thatch. Well, you'll need engineers and, and geologists. Got them all. The best of the best. Gaetan Moliere, geology and excavation. Audrey Ramirez, don't let her age fool you. The name's Sweet, Joshua Sweet. Medical officer. Vincenzo Santorini. Demolitions. Hey, look. I made a bridge. Lieutenant, take her down. Diving officer, submerge the ship. Dive! Dive! (laughs) 
Clark, all our chances for survival rest with you, Mr. Patch. You and that little book. So before we get into the movie, uh, people have heard of the theory of Atlantis. So let's get a little information on that. Uh, Disney, John, what have you found for us? Crap, little. Hold on. Let me start editing this down. Um, There is so much out there (laughs) on Atlantis, but I, I really did. I got it condensed down to, I think, the high points. So the history and mystery that surrounds Atlantis started a very long time ago um, with the first writing of Atlantis from Plato. Right. It was in his dialogues, Timaeus and uh, Critias, and they were written around 360 BC. Um, Plato told the story of Atlantis around that time. The founders of Atlantis, he said, were half God and half human. They created a utopian civilization and became a great naval power. Their home was made up of concentric islands separated by wide moats and linked by a canal that penetrated the center. So, contrary to that, a <laughs> more modern um, look is Professor of Archaeology Ken Fetter notes that Plato's story, Atlantis is a not a place to be honored or emulated at all. Atlantis is not the perfect society. Quite the contrary. Atlantis is the embodiment of a materially wealthy, technologically advanced, and militarily powerful nation that has become corrupted by its wealth, sophistication, and might. And as propaganda in Plato's morality tale that that were in his original dialogues, um, the, uh, the Atlantis legend is more about the city's heroic rival Athens than a sunken civilization. If Atlantis actually existed today and was found intact and inhabited, its residents would probably try to kill and enslave us all. (laughs) Now, the next part is really Mm. interesting. Um, (laughs) The legend honestly didn't truly begin to grow until after Congressman Ignatius Donnelly, 1831 to 1901, an amateur historian, wrote the Antediluvian World. Donnelly said that the greatest advances in civilization and technology could be traced back to the long-lost island that Plato mentions. Well, however that is, um, it wasn't made so popular. It was the facts that the congressman put in there. That's air quotes. Air quotes. Facts. facts right. Facts. Congressman, to make it look really all that awesome. So um, <laughs> it was really interesting to see how this story came around. Like I always knew that Plato had written about it. Right. Um, I didn't realize that, like that. I guess what Ken Fetter came up with, like he seemed to be the the lead the lead guy on this. Um, you know, for all these, I don't want to call them fake, but legends, we'll say, right? Um, of, of time. Um, I was like, oh, you know, that sounds right. You know, somebody who's that far advanced from everybody else is probably going to be materialistically more. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's probably putting a smile on that. It. Yeah, and that's why they probably ended up, at, you know, buried somewhere in the ocean because they just blew themselves up, but whatever. Right. You know, yep. I, yeah. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, as far as I knew, it was pretty much just, you know, the whole Plato thing. I hadn't heard anything else. You know, it was kind of it. So. And you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Uh, some production history. Liam, what do you have for us, sir? 
Well, we're going to set the Wayback Machine for October 1996, a lunch at a Mexican restaurant in Burbank, California. Uh, Don Hahn, Gary Trousdale, Kirk Wise, and Tab Murphy are fresh off of Hunchback of Notre Dame, and they want to keep their team together and make their next film with an Adventureland type of setting. So they sought to make an early 20th century action-adventure film uh, through visits to museums and old army installations um, for that that sort of era of machinery from the human side, as well as a unique interpretation of Atlantis through studies of Mayan and Southeast Asian architecture, going as far as to hire uh, Mark Ockrand, uh, I'm probably butchering that name, but the inventor of Star Trek's Klingon, to develop an original language and writing system meant to be read in a zigzag fashion to simulate the flow of water. They wanted their Atlantis not to be like, oh, we'll just take some Greek columns and stick them in a pond. Like, no, no, this is (laughs) going to be a unique society that hasn't been seen before. Um, The lack of musical numbers in Tab Murphy's script challenged a team accustomed to song-based plots to create an action-sequence-based storyline, but um, it allowed them to enjoy the luxury of more on-screen time for character and lore development. Um, The team actually surprised acclaimed comic book artist and creator creator of Hellboy, Mike Mignola, by sort of mimicking his style of their own volition and then saying, Hey, you want to come be our, uh, our production designer and give it a much needed distinct visual style to set it apart from the rest of our studio roster. And he was like, uh, okay, I got nothing better going on. Sure. (laughs) The score was written by James Newton Howard and it helped deepen the aesthetic themes of Atlantis and the surface world, as well as helping to convey the emotions of uh, non-dialogue scenes. Uh, The film uh, had its world premiere at Disney's El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, California on June 3rd, 2001. Very cool. Thank you, Liam. And uh, so he mentioned it already. So uh, the whole kind of steampunk look that that artist brought to uh, John has a little bit of history on the whole steampunk thing. What have you got for us? Well, for those of you that aren't really familiar, steampunk is a subgenre of science fiction that incorporates retro future. This is going to be easy for me to say <laughs> retro futuristic technology and aesthetics inspired by 19th century steam powered machinery. Think Jules Verne, the Nautilus from 20,000 leagues under the sea uh, wild, the wild, wild west, the original television show in the shitty Will Smith remake. <laughs> so, bad. Uh, <laughs> so bad. Um, I think that was shot at you, Disney John. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm feeling. I feel I felt shot at. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you, did you, was that one of your movies? Yes, it was on know? his list. One of my bad that. movies, though. So, call maybe. back to our top seven bad movies we love. There you go. It's okay, it's on the bad list. Steampunk is, <laughs> yeah. Steampunk, Steampunk is most recognizably features. Another big word here, anachronistic technology or retrofuturistic inventions. That's easy for you to say. The 19th century might have envisioned them. So think of, like I said, the Nautilus, um, H.G. Wells' time machine, 
Um, a lot of gears, a lot of gadgets, and of course they're all steam powered, hence the name steampunk. Um, it borrows elements of horror, sci science fiction, historical fiction, speculative fiction, making it a very cool hybrid genre. It's very popular in um, manga, from what I understand, and other subcultures. And as Liam referred to, plays very heavily into the Hellboy world, which can be seen in the comic books and most notably in the second Hellboy movie, Hellboy and the Golden Army, whereas the, the Golden Army is essentially a clockwork army. There's your, that's the best examples of Steve Punk that I can give you. All right. Thank you, John. I swear that your catch gets crazier every year. If I ever hear the word Atlantis again, I'll step in front of a bus. <laughs> I'll put you. Uh, Mr. Harker. Good Lord. There he is. There was a uh, Wait. How did you find us? Mr. Harker. Wait. It was his. Where is the you need him? Mr. Harker, you, you gotta listen to me, sir. Uh, sir. Wait. Mr. Harker. This museum funds scientific expeditions based on facts, not legends and folklore. All right. So uh, real quick, before we get into the details of the movie, um, when and where did you guys see this? Disney, John. Um, I, I literally was talking to Regina about this. I mean, like... <laughs> Literally, while everything else is going on. One, so it had to, we, at that time, we probably actually waited for it to hit DVD and watch it at home because we had the youngins at home and everything like that. Right. So we probably waited for DVD and watch it at home. That makes sense. Liam, do you remember when you saw it? Um, it was actually, um, I want to say when I was in like junior high, it was, it was before the era of Disney plus back when some of the. Week. <laughs> nice. No, long, long before anyone ever dreamed that we could have all of our Disney products on one location. Shameless plug here. Um, <laughs> no, um, when they had some of their movies on Netflix, it was actually um, I got a twofer on that because I watched Atlantis and then loved it and then scrolled down to the more like this and found Treasure Planet. So right. I, I got a two for one on that. But yeah, I watched it on Netflix and I became obsessed. All right. John, how about you? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, you know me. I've always been a big animation and art guy. Um, yep. Did not see this in the theaters because at the time I'm a single male and a single male of my age going into a quote unquote kids movie. <laughs> I get put on a watch list. So I watch this at home. <laughs> Wait a minute. I went and saw Monsters Incorporated by myself and the Harry, first Harry Potter movie by myself. I saw but, I saw I'd be worried. Story about, I saw a Toy Story by myself and got a lot of looks. So yep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you go to the later shows when there's a lot less kids. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. So I actually this was a rental for me. Um, I'm pretty sure we went to the blockbuster that was literally across the street from me um, and rented it. It was one of those that wasn't high on my priority list, but it was more like. Hey, we haven't seen this one and we've seen pretty much every other Disney movie. So I guess we'll rent this one. So, <laughs> you know, that sounds right. yeah, it sounds right. It sounds, you know, and yeah, it was definitely one of those where like, you know, we weren't in a huge hurry to see it in the theater because at that time we had a toddler. So that wasn't going to. Right. Attention. Tonight's supper will be baked beans, musical program to follow. Oh, 
Who wrote this? Hmm. You have disturbed the dirt. Ah, uh, pardon me? You have disturbed the dirt! Dirt from around the globe spanning the centuries! What have you done? England must never merge with France! What's it doing in my bed? You ask too many questions. Who are you? Who sent you? Speak up! Me? All right, so um, let's get into what we like about the movie. Um, I'm going to go first. So I have a few. Um, I will go through mine real quick, and then I'll let you guys uh, do yours. So I totally love the Jungle Cruise-inspired radio announcements. Um, For those who might not catch on, um, if you haven't been to the Jungle Cruise that's at Disneyland or Disney World, when you're waiting in line, they do these announcements over the radio and they're ridiculous and they're silly. And of course you have Miss Packard who makes these announcements throughout the beginning of the movie. And they're very funny, very entertaining. And one of the, um, I think highlights of the whole movie are the jungle cruise inspired radio announcements. So I love those. Uh, so, and I also love the fact that as dark as this is going to sound, a lot of people die in this movie. (laughs) You usually don't get that in a Disney animated film, but like, if you think about the opening of the movie, when Atlantis sinks, there's a lot of people, there was people pounding on the force field to get in. I'm like, Oh, that was dark. And before they even reach Atlantis, you know, the whole crew and the sub and everything, you know, they even say, you know, 200 people set out and there's like only like 40 people left. So uh, it it kind of made me smile that they were willing to sacrifice that many people. And they didn't go easy. They're blown up and everything else. I'm like, cool. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gruesome, gruesome deaths. I've, I've got it on my TV right now. And we literally just watched a bunch of dudes just get exploded by a robotic lobster sea beast. Oh, nice. OK, so the last thing I want to say before I let you guys go. um, there was one laugh out loud moment in this movie. It's very at the very beginning. Um, during the impromptu physical for Milo, Sweet asks him to fill these very these two yep. very large beakers. <laughs> that, I'm gonna need you to fill these up. <laughs> with what? <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, it's the with what that makes it makes me laugh out loud. So the best joke in the whole movie is that interaction. So those are the three things I wanted to definitely call out before uh, we get, you know, into it. But yeah, those things all kind of sit in my head the entire time I watch this movie. So Disney, John, things you like about the movie. Um, I, so one of the things I liked, which was part of, I guess I'm, I'm now guessing as part of the steampunk uh, thing is that if you noticed that all of the dark villainous bad guys, the, 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 Hey, you there's, were never faced. They were all right. faceless. They were this crowd that was like silhouettes and you could tell that they were had guns and stuff like that. And you're just like, well, okay, that's super duper creep. Um yeah, they had the worked. hoses coming out of their like, yeah. yeah. gas mask yeah. guys. Yeah. Yes. It was so very, I mean, very cool. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean like that worked so well. Um I enjoyed um very much them learning how to ride their mantis rider things like it shot off and and shot around the whole area um that was i that was my second laugh out loud moment because like the first time you watch it you you don't expect it and i just remember like ah, that figures like that's something i would do and then <laughs> I, and i'm with you on the jars 
every time. It's, yeah, every time. Them with what? Like, <laughs> it's just and Michael J. Fox's voice. I, every time, that's what I hear in my head. Is like I felt them with what exactly? So, um, yeah, I there's not. I don't have honestly many dislikes with this movie, so it's going to be rough for me past this point. Um, oh, and I also loved. Oh my God, you mentioned her name by name. The the announcement woman, Miss Packard. Yeah, Miss pa- I love Miss Packard. She is not in a hurry, no matter what. I mean, <laughs> right? she could be holding a lit piece of dynamite, and she's just gonna <laughs> take her time. And then the bomb making guy. I'm sorry, I'm terrible Vinny. with names. Vinny, Vinny, Vinny's I love my favorite. Vinny. So yeah, those those are some of my favorite of the extras. Like I like not going off main characters. Those are some of my favorite characters. Packard probably the, tops the list. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Gladys. I'm gonna have to call back. I gotta do some work now. And the whole <laughs> ship is like blowing up around her. Yeah, she's no, like, no, no. He I'll took call a, you. Yeah, he took a suitcase. He's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's kind of fantastic. All right, Liam. Favorites, so. Liam, what do you like about this movie? Besides um, everything, <laughs> uh, my main like about this, um, I have said this before on this podcast. I am a sucker for a good lore in a project. I love things like Dark Crystal and um, a lot of different animes. I love the fantasy genre for this reason. Um, I love when lore is really unique and really well done. And so I enjoyed this movie. And I also enjoyed um, that they don't just go for um, the stereotypical like Dances with Wolves, like White Savior thing. Like, no, there's a reason why Milo is important to the story. I love this idea that because of this great cataclysm that hit this society, um, their way of life is dying and they can't even read their own language anymore. I loved that sort of like and that sort of metaphor for a lot of societies. I think I read when I was doing my production history, um, they uh, got that idea because of the Egyptians, like when archaeologists started coming in to Egypt at like that time. Um the Egypt, the native Egyptians were having a similar problem where like they were forgetting a lot of their culture and a lot of their history. So I love that angle. And I love how hard they worked. Again, they got the guy who invented Klingon to make an entire <laughs> language for an hour and a 40 minute movie. <laughs> I just love the lore of Atlantis and the design of everything. It's just so fun for me. All right. All right, John, something you like about it. Uh, what I like about it is that it's not your stereotypical Disney film, as you've already touched on. There's a right. this has got to be the highest body count or anything <laughs> that's a quote unquote Disney movie. Um, <laughs> I and I also like the fact that I mean, how can you not like a cast that includes Michael J. Fox, Father Guido Sarducci, <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard Nimoy? I mean, oh, I know. I mean, how could you, how could you not? I mean, that and the way that the characters look, they don't look like your typical, they they contain elements of your typical Disney characters, but this is not quote unquote Disney looking, you know, the only exception to that will probably be um, the mole guy. Um, Mole. They just call him mole. 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 Yeah. Mole is his name, but yeah, it's just mole. More. He's got yeah. that quote unquote cartoony look, but the other ones, Michael J. Fox's character, Leonard Nimoy's character, um, they look like the people in real life. They yeah. they borrow heavily from the actual actually what the actors look like. 
And I really, really like that. I will say that the, um, you know, call them, the Atlanteans have a more Disney look than yes. the adventurers for sure. I would, I yeah, a little bit more of an alien quote unquote look. Right. To them. Right. So I just want to call out, um, mentioned, uh, Jeff Johnson from the Phil by podcast. When we did the black cauldron episode, the first thing he said he liked about it was there were no songs in the movie because, you know, he didn't, he didn't want a singing princess or whatever. And, you know, and I understand. And so when preparing for this episode, I went and looked at all seven movies we're going to talk about. And none of the seven we're talking about have any songs that are sung by characters. Yep. There's there's, and it didn't even occur to me until I'm like, okay. So and do you think that's why they're underrated? I, I wonder, I, I, I think that's possible that it might because be. I a, think this is a fantastic movie that we're talking about tonight. I mean, I mean, like, honestly, I think the reason I watched this to begin with was because of Leonard Nimoy, Michael J. Fox, oh and God. Father Gore. And, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, I think those were the characters, like, I wanted, oh, let me let me see what they voiced. And then the right. whole movie showed up, and I was like, oh, I mean, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I love these types of adventure movies, and that just scratches an itch, right? right. The whole thing. And then it's Disney on top, it's just, it's, it's like a perfect mix of of everything. I don't know. I really like this one. Um, it, it's almost like when you don't force yourself to write a musical every single time, you can try something new and write yep. more original stories that aren't mm-hmm. so formulaic. I mean, I love Disney, but I will say that, you know, maybe open yourself up to stepping away from a formula just because you're a brand. It doesn't mean you can't try new things. Right. Right. You can still well, like princesses. Well, exactly. we mentioned it even on our top seven Disney movies that... Um, Wreck-It Ralph was definitely a step away, you know, mm-hmm. and it, Disney has a tendency to, when they take a chance, you know, to be fair, when they take a chance, it either really hits or it really doesn't, you know what yes. I mean? And yeah. I think a lot of the ones we look, were looking at during this run of episodes, I think you get both sides. Um, there's some movies that are truly fantastic. And then there's other ones you're kind of like, well, I see what that they tried, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the, what they're trying yeah. to do. So, so sometimes you get Atlantis, the lost empire. Sometimes you get chicken little. Well, you know, <laughs> I'd actually, well, I'll save it for later. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> I happen to like chicken little. I thought it was I cool. do too. I thought it was hilarious. Um, it's all right. It's all right. All right okay. Um, any more likes? Cause I know you guys really like this movie. So I'm going to let you guys all go again. So J- Disney John, why don't you give us something else? So I, so the other thing I liked was I, I liked the antagonists because there were, they were multitude in this one. It wasn't just like, Oh, look, there's a bad guy. Like, um, like what's his face in, um, in frozen, the, the prince, oh, right, like, yeah. prince right? Hans. right. Where Hans like just turns. It was like so many people all of a sudden were like, no, we're all in on this. Like th- there was only one guy that was left out of it. Poor Milo, and and like then the dark horde starts walking forward, and I, like I just I, you it was ominous. I mean, it was it. You're just like, oh my god, like this is happening, and these evil people are now taking over. Um, but but honestly, artistically speaking, you should have known from the beginning, right? I mean, oh, yeah. if you really look at it. So well, um, well, I like that it was a slow burn, and like like. They never like the rest of the crew is more likable than Rourke yes. and even Helga. But like at the same time, like, you know, we're all here for exploration and scientific knowledge. No money. No. 
Money. 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 Yes. I'm going to say money. Money. They were saying. They were very clear. They even teased it um, when they before they even get on the sub. Uh, Rourke even says it's going to be an enriching enriching experience for everyone. Yes. You I know, talk about that. Oh, yeah. I love that it's line. So so yeah. Good. There's some subtleties. And let's be honest. The military guy is going to be the villain. I mean, that wasn't oh, a stretch. Always. Come on. You know, it's like, bad. it's like, and I mean, it, it voiced wonderfully by James Garner, by the way, just, yes. he, you which know. I, I was looking at the cast cause I wanted to talk about that and you guys beat me to it, but like I died cause I had no idea it was him. Oh, really? Oh, I recognize I that voice. Susie, Susie I spoke. I yeah, Susie the- talked. Well, I I, to be fair, I used ones. to watch the Rockford files when I was a kid. So I, ah, I've been yeah. living with the guy's voice for 50 years. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, but We're yes, old. that's why Liam we are old. old. Yes. Well, yes. I know him from the great escape when he was like younger. Well, true. But his voice wasn't so like down here. All right. Uh, Liam, anything else you want to mention? Um, yeah, I want to talk about Kida and her relationship with Milo. I love Kida so much. I think she is one of the most underrated characters and especially like amongst the females and the princesses. I think she like does not get her due at all because she I love how like like I feel like everybody points to Ariel for like all the most well done with curiosity. But I think Kida exemplifies that a lot more just because like I love that when she is just peppering Milo with questions about right, like, right. where do you come from? Like, what is your country of origin? And then she she just like grabs his glasses, just does not ask. Uh, I love uh, how curious she is and how excited she is to finally have someone because um, Leonard Nimoy is great. You know, he's a great king for the Atlanteans, but he's just trying to like keep the engine going like Kida wants to actually revamp everything and get us back to our glory days and she's so excited to finally have someone who it who can help her with that and who is interested in not I don't want to survive I want to live <laughs> um, see what's yeah. funny about her it's like with as much information she wants to know she can't really seem to grasp anything Milo was saying Right. You know what I mean, it's like she can't understand that, you know, the doctor's name is sweet. OK, yeah, but, but it yeah. doesn't mean he's well, sweet. It's, well, it's a like, weird it's a but, weird name, but it doesn't guys. matter because my Humans thing is like weird. she's so she seems so smart. But yet, you know, it's like your medicine people have names. It doesn't mean that's what they are. So can't you just get the idea? I just, I don't know. It seems like she's you know, struggling English, with very English basic. Is, English is a weird language anyway. Like I know but that they, their language but, but, wait, is wait, 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 wait. They Babel, speak but... every language. So I don't want to hear English as a weird language. It's, <laughs> it, it's got weird rules though. It's got weird rules. It absolutely But no, absolutely I, I love Kita and I love her relationship with Milo. I love that they don't force a romance on us. Like the, at the end of the movie, like they get a hug. They, they just stay, they're just friends and they get to have an organic relationship and just have this really beautiful moment together. And then he, he's like their linguistics guy. And she becomes the queen of Atlantis, as she should be. Yeah, like, well, you I know, thought that was nice. You know, the <laughs> fact that she's like a few thousand years older than him is a little weird. That's so, true. You know, I'm just saying. There's an age gap there. <laughs> There's a bit of an age gap, even though she looks like she's 16. You know, right. she's a well, few thousand Liam's years old. To point about her being underrated as a princess, she doesn't have her own song. I have to say, like, right. yeah, it's it's a lot harder to get the attention you deserve when you're not on the pop. Yeah, if you charts. can't sing to your man, right? Yeah. All right. 
She John. don't need no man. She was going to take out all those guards all by herself. That's right. Shot the knife out of her hand. Uh, like that, she was going to gut that guy. Yeah. She was straight up going to just slit his throat right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, awesome. Actually, I thought they were really interesting when they're wearing their masks. I thought those were really, yes. really cool. Oh, I love the masks. Oh, I wish we had gotten more of that. It was so cool. All right, John, anything else you like? Uh, just the, the whole spirit of this. I mean, watching it, it's been a long time since I've seen it before watching it to talk about it. And the opening when Milo's in the boiler room rehearsing his speech just um, <laughs> really struck me. And it's like, this is like a young Indiana Jones. I mean, I got a really big Indiana Jones vibe out of this. Right. Spielberg should have taken notes on this as opposed to the kingdom of the crystal skulls. But <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you know what? Okay. okay. <laughs> you brought it up. So I'm just going to say, I was on board with that movie and enjoying it until we got the inter interdimensional beings. And then I just kind of yes. went, mm, no. And yeah. Yeah. I just like the, I like the vibe, but I like the, I like the feel of it. Like I said earlier, this is just a, it, it's a fun movie. I mean, I know it did not do well at the box office. It essentially tanked at the box office, but it, I being a fan of animation and being a fan of Hellboy and Mike Manola, and knowing that he was involved in this at the time really made me want to see it. So getting into watching it and kind of seeing it with little to no expectations when I saw it, I'm like, this is really cool. This is what, Indiana, at the time, we didn't know we were going to get any more Indiana Jones. So this is very much continuing in that vein. And I like, this could be a really cool franchise. We could have like Milo and the Lost City of vocabulary or something like that i don't know but <laughs> you could go to el dorado next the heart of atlantis what it's the heart of atlantis that's what the shepherd was talking about it wasn't a star it was it was some kind of crystal uh, like these don't you get it the power source i've been looking for the bright light you remember they're the same thing it cannot be it's what's keeping all of these things you all of atlantis alive then where is it now? I don't know. I don't know. You'd think something as important would have been in the journal, but unless the missing page. So uh, we're going to move on to dislikes. And as we like to say occasionally, uh, buckle up um, because I obviously do not like this movie as much as you guys do. So when, oh my. So when, when I don't enjoy a movie, I have a tendency to notice way too many things that don't work. So... I'm in an effort to not end. <laughs> so in an effort to not end on a, you know, on negativity, I'm going to go first. So you guys can, you know, tell me I'm wrong. Tell you you're wrong. Yes. Get all ahead. of your okay. wrongness out of the way. All Give right, us so. time to set up our arguments against you. All right. So for an action movie, because that's what they were trying to do. Um, there wow. is a, there is a complete lack of suspense and, and interesting action sequences in this entire movie. So my first example, Milo explains the Leviathan, which ooh, sounds very cool. Immediately after his last line of the Leviathan, guess what? Hey, there's Le the Leviathan right there. We didn't even, it was like just there. Like we have this cool shot of look at all those ships from every era. And then all of a sudden, oh, there it is. Didn't even give us time to wonder what we're going to see. Oh, there it is. You know, right there. No suspense, you know. It was just kind of like, okay. I mean, they didn't even jaws it. You know what I mean? It wasn't even like we get a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, a cool shot from the wreckage of the of the ships, looking up at the sub, something like build some suspense. But no, it was just there and it all kind of fell apart. And then the sub is gone. 
So that was kind of a bummer. Example number two, the lightning bugs. Milo goes to take a leak, you know, and it's all fun and games. And then here comes the pretty little fire, you know, fireflies or firebugs, whatever they are. And then two seconds later, the whole place is on fire. There's no reaction from anybody else but him, except for the commander going, I'm going to kill that kid. And then he pops his head out and whole thing is on fire. And then they hop on their vehicles and leave. No, they, they don't give any time for any of the action sequences to get interesting. They're over before they're any kind of anything builds up. It's like, oh, here's a great idea. And it's over. So that kind of ruins it for me. There's like, I mean, you know, they're going to survive, but we should still be wondering how they're going to get out of it. So also example number three, when they all hop on the Atlantean, Atlantean vehicles at the end to go chase after Rourke, it's like, okay, we're going to get there and nothing really happens until we have the battle. You know, watching Aladdin escape on the rug from the Cave of Wonders was way more fun to watch than all these people just kind of, no, 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 we're going to have a conversation, don't get shot, and then whatever. It's just, I don't know. They had all these opportunities to make these really cool sequences, and they didn't. There. That's my complaint on the action. Now, like I said, (laughs) the humor in this movie, with the exception of a few jokes, we mentioned the, you know, the beakers. Um, and a few other things, most of the humor is very forced. Um, mole and cookie are just there to be funny. They serve no other purpose at all. You know, even if you had no mole, you had no cookie, fine. There'd be still be jokes. Um, they really don't add anything to me. Uh, Milo is clumsy, of course. So they make fun of him. He's a new guy. They tease him. Okay. Whatever. Um, they should have made more of a effort for the humor to be organic as opposed to let's make fun of what's obvious. And they did that way too often. Like when they're talking about sending somebody to talk to Kita, Mole's up there going, me, pick me, pick me. And of course, they're not going to pick you because you're horrible and disgusting and, and terrifying. So no, they're not going to pick you. You know, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like they made very little effort to make it funny because of the situations it was all it's just you know hang all the jokes on the people and then just leave it at that um and then one thing that really bothers me is the fact that milo can't even drive a truck at the beginning of this movie in less than 24 hours though he can fly an atlantean vehicle like nothing and he's giving tactical combat orders what the guy just he was a complete nerd at the beginning of the movie now all of a sudden he's telling all these you know mercenaries what to do i'm a little confused and for a Disney movie, there's no emotional con- connection in this movie. These are the same directors that brought us Beauty and the Beast and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Two very good, very good movies. I'm sorry. Beauty and the Beast, I cry every oh, time. I love that. Yeah. But I Hunch- hated no, I hated no Hunchback. But there was still at least a couple scenes in there. What? I think that I think that, that is the worst Disney movie. Oh, oh wow. I have to disagree with that. Yeah, I don't oh, see that man. either. There's there's by far worse. But either way, there's if you look at Beauty and the Beast on itself, there's so much emotion in that movie. And you have the the fight on top of the castle. There's so much going on. And this one is just like I kind of feel like these guys were in over their heads. Like they had all these different ideas and didn't quite know how to make them all gel and work. So I just kind of feel like for a Disney movie. I should have been like, yay, Milo. But at the end, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. It's over. Fine. You know, da 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 da. So there. Now that I poo pooed on everything <laughs> that that you guys love. So is there anything that Disney John you do not like or have doesn't work for you 
Oh, wait, I thought this was rebuttal time. You can rebut all you want. That's fine. Okay. Go ahead. So I don't necessarily agree with your assessment that it's an action film. I agree. I would say that it's more of an adventure film that has action in it. So okay. I, I think that that I think if you put it frame it that way, I think it's a much I think it's a better movie because okay. I didn't see it as an as an adventure movie. So or I'm sorry, as an action movie is more as an adventure. OK, so is yeah. Raiders of Lost Ark an adventure movie? Yes. OK. But isn't it as exciting when the giant ball rolls down the thing and chases so him out the door? Isn't it exciting when action, he's hanging off the trucks? It's <laughs> an adventure action film. Uh-huh. I, and like, don't get me wrong. I understand where you're coming from, but you're trying to compare, like, I mean, honestly, an Academy Award winning film to Atlantis, a cartoon. Okay. It's mm-hmm. like, and I realize that cartoons can be, can be that, but I'm just saying we're talking about an underrated film that right has some action in it. And I'm not saying that the action sequences are great by any stretch of the imagination, but it is more of an adventure. Okay. Okay. And and to me, it's more, they, they marched them through the adventure. I mean, you didn't see it, but somebody had their arm twisted behind their back and they marched them through the rails of this adventure that they were on. Um, I, I do understand that it was not organic humor, but again, this is a kid's movie and I don't think that they had the right people writing comedy for, the kid adult movie where the kids get one level of humor and the parents get that deeper, more, you know, mm, see, I, sense I, of humor. I call BS on that because Disney's been really good for years putting in stuff that makes adults laugh too. Look at who made the movie. Look at, I who am look, at, on look at Beauty and the Beast. There was lots no, of, no, adult- no, 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 no. I'm, I understand that this team did that. Right. And that was right. in the nineties. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, and then this is like mm-hmm. start of the new, new millennium. So right. we're looking at 2003, and we're looking at a different time, and we're looking at like everybody's got to be new. And this was kind of an edgy film for Disney, so right. they had to bring it back somehow. Yeah. And I think the humor is how they try to do it. Okay. Um, and I agree. I think Mole's a useless character. Um, and so is Cookie. He's literally there just to complain. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's all he does. Complain yeah. and make bad food. Right. Um. I mean, like I could have had more of a father. He's my one complaint in this movie. Cookie. Uh, He's my one complaint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why do you get bringing a chuck wagon person with you on a, on a mission? I guess because it's it's 1913, I guess is why why they have him. But it's so steampunked out everywhere else. And they got this guy freaking in a horse drawn wagon freaking in his, in his cookies outfit. I'm like, come on. Like that is my biggest complaint. I, I I'm with Liam on this one. That's my biggest complaint. Um, but those were my rebuttals and cookie is my, my, I don't, I don't care for cookie. I don't care for mole. They could have cut both of those characters out. I think the movie would have been better for it. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, so is that Liam? That was his only, okay. So John, do you have any complaints? I I don't have complaints as much as you do, obviously. (laughs) Um, I, I, I think, I think, I think there's some stuff to, take into consideration on your complaints and I'm not like totally going to rebut them. But I, I think this was made, as you said, by the people that brought us Beauty and the Beast and Hunchback. And this was an attempt at Disney to catch an audience that is quote unquote aging out a little bit. You know, you got the kids that watch those movies that are now in their late teen years so this is a this is an attempt to make a more quote unquote adult story 
Um, yes, the humor, the, the humor is not great. There, there's no denying that. But I think, again, I think you're working, you're, you're working towards a, a different core audience. Um, and yeah, the cookie and mole, I don't think they're horrible, but I think the fact that they are so cartoony compared to the rest of the main cast mm-hmm. does kind of take them out of it. Have they been designed differently and portrayed, can be portrayed the same actors, but just a little differently, a little bit more grown up, you'd have a much more solid character in both of them. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some edge to it. Cause I mean, when we first meet Helga, you know, you're kind of like, um, is it weird that I'm attracted to this animated character? Cause that was Jessica awesome. rabbit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, exactly. You've got, yeah. you've got um, the, the, the lady with the intercom. What's her name again? Miss Packard. Um, Matt, she's yeah. constantly smoking. Miss Packard never, never does not have a cigarette in her mouth. Yes. Yes. And when they interview with when they interview Cookie, the four four basic food groups, including Beans, the first bacon, one, whiskey and lard. Whiskey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Whiskey. This is not stuff that's typical of a quote unquote Disney movie. That you don't necessarily think of it that way. And you so, know what? And that's all fine. But I guess to my point is, if you're going to embrace the fact that this is not a typical Disney movie, then you know why force certain things? I don't know. I just you know again I think you're trying to I think you're trying to build on that core audience you had because they let's face it Disney were the dominant force in animation for the longest time well and right and then, then Shrek came out and totally kind of changed the paradigm <laughs> kicked Disney's ass for a little while this movie is this movie's poor box office is somewhat a result to you know audiences like Shrek Shrek is one that they do the humor the adult humor and the kids humor yeah mm-hmm. Yep, everything done. Very, they do it well. well. Yes, they did it very well. well. And I think this one, I, I think this movie would work more if they their, their reach definitely exceeds their grasp. Yep. But it, but I, in no way do I dislike it nearly as much as you seem to. No, no. <laughs> I didn't say I dislike it that much. I just there's there's issues I have because I I guess in my mind. I know they could do better. And that's well yeah. I'm just saying an animated movie, so some of your plot points you're not gonna develop because it costs a lot more to draw nine million pictures of <laughs> something happening than it does to film nine million frames of something happening. Um so in you know, that's just my rebuttal to how you you think the story that should have developed and some of these action sequences should develop. So I think it leaves a little bit more to your mind and Disney failed in that aspect. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say they didn't, but I don't think the movie really suffers for it. No. <laughs> well, oh. I will. I will say. I think we're like you're comparing it to Beauty and the Beast and um, like all of the like Renaissance films. Like those were the ones that got like all of the attention and all of the money and all of the effort and, and all the music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all of the music. But yeah. Like those were the films that they devoted all of the attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, like this one, I feel like like when you get into a lot of the underrated films, I feel like they're underrated because they didn't have that luxury of like just all of the time and all of the money and, and all of the respect and all of the land. I think that 
um, a lot of the forced things are studio notes because Di- like Disney takes risks and it's at its best when it takes risks. But even at like we're getting better in the modern day, but even at its most risk takiest, um, I'm just making up words on the fly here. Um, <laughs> they uh, they have always been um, l- there's always going to be at least one guy in a suit who's worried about the brand and the money. Uh, I think the reason why Shrek did so well was because it was Jeffrey Katzenberg fresh <laughs> off of his resignation and giving a middle finger to Eisner. Well, um, yeah. Like just doing whatever the heck he wanted. Like he, that is entirely his own picture. He literally got to do whatever he wanted. He did not have anybody giving him notes at all. Well, there was no, there was no restraint on that film. I'm um, just I'm just saying that there's a you know the reason that there maybe it's underrated and is because it's just not that good. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, I think and sometimes it, and sometimes I mean later there are sometimes the movies are really good, but this one maybe just didn't resonate with people. And uh, I agree. I, I see three quarters of a good film restrained oh. by the ankle ball and chain weight. But okay, here's my point. I don't necessarily know how much Disney interfered because these are these people were successful with other stuff. So unless there was a reason that they were afraid, they wouldn't have stepped in. Is my point? Okay, and we're actually there's a movie we cover later where um, the the studio exec said you need to fix this or we're canceling it, and and they fixed it and it was great. This is a situation where I don't know how much they interfered, and I'm. I'm just kind of. I doubt very much. Look how dark it is. I mean, it is. The, it has got yeah. to be the darkest Disney movie, animated mm, that, that they've I done in, re- in recent years. Maybe, but I mean, like I, don't I said, know. Black Cauldron though. Oh, well, and look at Snow White. Go get her heart. Put it in the box. Bring it back Black, to the proof yeah. she's dead. I'm just saying. Black the, Cauldron though. It's the, dark. The, the, Disney hasn't. I mean, Disney has a history of being dark at times. This one, I don't know. It's it's just I mean, one of those I understand, things. I understand where you're coming from, Dayton. Honestly, I really do. I'm just saying, like, I would frame it more as an adventure movie, and I think the jokes are more more geared towards a 12 year old than than an adult. Where, like, I think Shrek has probably been the best example of of how you get that adult child humor in there. And this just feels like a bunch of 12 year olds trying to write some silly ass jokes, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And it just okay. didn't work. It, fe- it no. felt really fe- it fell flat, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, and even so, I mean, then, I, I feel saying. like. I feel like there are some jokes in Shrek, like, like lowbrow humor is going to be lowbrow humor no matter what. And that's part of the fun. It, um, I feel like, you know, even when it's adult films, like the first Deadpool movie, you had to be 17 to see it in a theater, but you had to be 16 to fully appreciate it. What are you talking about? I fully appreciated that movie. Oh my God. (laughs) From beginning to end. (laughs) Yeah. So side note, I remember my wife and I went to go see Deadpool in the theater and there were people in the front row all kinds of snacks. They left before the credits were even over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, then you, you just, you didn't even know what you were coming to see. The, oh my Those God. poor so, fools. Yeah, my, they're idiots. Uh, <laughs> I, oh my God. How was Quinn at the time? Quinn went to see that in the theater. He's my oldest boy. And he came home and he goes, Simon can never see this movie. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can't believe it. And then I watched it. I was like, holy hell. My yeah. son can never watch this movie. And now we never. watch it all together. It's yeah. so good. Well, it was funny because um, when Torrance got a little older, we told her that she could watch Deadpool. And um, we warned her about the calendar girl scene. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Oh, yeah. um, we said when you hear that song, just skip. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we forgot about the strip the strip uh, club scene. Yeah. <laughs> so she was a little pissed one at us for that. One of the best Stanley cameos. I know, ever. right? <laughs> we kind of forgot about that one. So anyway, moving on before this becomes a whole nother Sorry. episode. No, that's fine. Um, stay on target. <laughs> so stay on target. Okay, not not Star Wars episode. No, okay, stop. No. <laughs> We're all gonna die. Oh, you can't be serious. This is wrong and you know it. We're this close to our biggest payday ever and you pick now of all times to grow a conscience? We've done a lot of things we're not proud of. Robbing graves, uh, plundering the tombs, double parking. But nobody got hurt. Well, maybe somebody got hurt, but nobody we knew. Uh, if that's the way you want it, fine. More for me. All right, so... Uh, we'll talk right, about our favorites go. real quick. So John already talked about mine. Uh, Miss Packard by far is my favorite character oh, in yeah. this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Just for everything he said earlier, she never loses her cool. The whole subs going down right next to her. She's still having a phone conversation. Like it's no big deal, whatever, <laughs> you know, and her uh, when they're, when they're camped and he asks about her pajamas, she goes, I sleep in the nude and walks past. And oh, I just laugh. <laughs> That's you want to pair these? Yeah, sleep that's the, yeah. Throws the throws the eye the eye mask at you. Yeah, you pair those. Yeah. yeah, that's the second laugh out loud moment for me in this movie. So, yeah, that's uh, by far uh, my favorite character in the movie. Uh, so, John, you mentioned yours. What were they, Miss Packard, and who else? So again, I, I might honestly, Miss Packard. She yeah. she's got to be one of the best stable characters out of everybody to be perfectly honest. I mean, she's <laughs> just doing her business. And right. Like yeah, um, and I. I Again, I really, I don't know why. I was so attracted to the ominous, dark suits. The, yeah, the, the, they were the cool. Mask. I, it was just, it was so well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so, and it so demonstrated so well, like, obviously, they're the dark, bad crowd. Um, and, and I, I just resonated with that. It was, it really fit the whole motif of everything that they were doing in the film. Um, and I would say that, um, I don't know. I would say that the scene where Kida gets the the heart of Atlanta, so to speak, yes. like mm-hmm. that that whole scene with the masks floating around, that the, I thought that was like pretty badass. It's happening right, right now on my TV. It's it's my favorite <laughs> scene in the entire movie. It's so All right. good. So we know Liam's favorite scene. So Liam, do you have a favorite character? Um uh i love Kida, I love Milo. They are my two main favorites, just because like it's it's the best of Atlantis and the best of the humans. But if I had to pick another favorite out of the crew, it's it's got to be Vinny. It's it's got to be our demolitions <laughs> expert. Like, first of all, I love in the opening uh, when he's talking to Widmore and we're getting like everybody's dossier. They had to spring him out of a Turkish, Turkish prison. prison but right. we don't know why. We don't know why. He uh, yeah he was funny I like it. I I find it amusing that he was going to be want to open a flower shop with his money so yes I love anyway that. yeah yeah all right John favorite character uh favorite character out of the main again is, is Vinny uh, you know the, probably you know for the speech you just referenced you know I'm going to think about you guys from nine to five Monday through Friday Saturday <laughs> till two. Maybe I come in for a couple hours on Sunday. <laughs> I'm taking August off, though. <laughs> right? I'm a good I love that. August. And then the, I, the the work, you know, the the main one is okay. Just, he's awesome. He 
he is an awesome villain when he throws the, the lady over Helga over yeah. the edge of the hot air balloon. You know, you know, like Helga, nothing personal. And then she's laying there on the ground and you know she's dying from the impact. They don't have the fact. And she pulls the flare gun out, shoots it at him, and she's like, nothing personal. It's like, holy yep. crap, this is a Disney movie? <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, you know, know. That's that's <laughs> you know yeah. that was that was awesome. I mean, she she's a character I wish they could have expanded on a little bit because uh, there is yeah. awesome yeah. Story there. Sure. yeah, like I said, I, when she, we first meet her, it's like the you know she's like the uh, the film noir you know uh, femme fatale. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? That which is great, and they mm-hmm. don't really explore her at all. And that you know that's kind of another complaint. There's so many characters that were interesting. They didn't really give us um enough of some i mean you know it's like work is kind of a yeah he's kind of a he's, he there, we don't know anything about him except for he likes he prefers he, uh, adventure capitalists so it would have been interesting to yeah. see a little bit more of where he came from and um, how he chose the mercenary lifestyle but anyway and his death is quite gruesome too oh. so Oh, so deliciously and and so Mignola too. Like I I don't know how much he, impact he had on the plot. Exactly. But like, yeah. yeah, like that would totally happen in a Hellboy comic. Like this guy's just gonna turn into a crystal zombie now. Nice. All right, uh, Disney John, do you have a favorite scene? Um, it's, honestly, yeah. You guys just literally talked about it. The whole shooting down of the balloon, like the, that whole sequence of Helga and and um and uh, what's his face sitting on the balloon, and then they it, it, like they she turns to look at him, and and they realize at that moment, like, yeah, you're going over, and he just throws her over with no problem. See ya. Right, yeah. And then she shoots him out of the air, and I'm like, yes, this okay. is this is right. <laughs> All right, uh, Liam, your favorite one was uh, when she. Becomes yeah, I, the crystal, I, yeah. love, I love the uh, melding with the heart of Atlantis. I, I love um, just the whole visual storytelling. I love the art design. I love the music. Um, okay. I, I just thought it was a beautifully animated sequence. All right. John, your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene is actually cut from the movie, actually. <laughs> Cheater. <It's> alternate <laughs> opening with the Vikings. All right, my my favorite scene is actually when uh, Milo meets Mr. Whitmore um, for the first time. It's such it's just a fun scene overall. Whitmore is very fun and interesting, and I wish we had gotten more of him. And besides, his aquarium is absolutely awesome. And I also want the models of the sub and everything oh, else. Yes. <laughs> Those look cool. Those That's are awesome. absolutely cool. So, all right. So before we get any further into this, uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our friends at the Infectious Groove Podcast. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we all always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. All right. So uh, before we get to our ratings and stuff, I have some questions for you guys. Uh, so here we go. Uh, which character intro is your favorite? Disney John. Oh, bastard. Why'd you put me first? Um <laughs> That if somebody has an answer, they can go first. So much. Right. Oh, you know what? Uh, father, um, oh, not father, um, Vinny. 
Vinny? Okay. You like I, his introduction? I just, Vinny's character is probably, like, honestly, my favorite not primary character. Like, he's a sidekick, right? As okay. far as I'm concerned. I love him. But I also love Father Guaducci that does it. Father Guido Guaducci, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Liam, do you have a favorite character intro? Um, I have a couple, but honestly, like, I hate to keep hitting the same beats, but I, I like when we first meet Kida. I like that sort of, again, I love the, like, visual, nonverbal storytelling. I love that, like, just weird alien interaction they have, that scene where she heals him. I love that whole sequence. I think it's, like, so cool. Oh, you're not talking about when she was a toddler? (laughs) <laughs> well well that's that's fair technically it was not the first time we met Kita. okay the grown the two thousand you know the four thousand year old Kita. yeah the heard. adult okay. all right Kita. all right uh john Mr. godlike smarty pants <laughs> that's right <laughs> john favorite character oh, intro man. it's milo and warm rehearsing his speech okay board of the museum right okay so out of the entire crew, whose skills do you want most for your own? Anybody can speak Ooh. up when they have an answer. Sorry, I'm like thinking now. Like that's, that's all right. Because that, they, they all have a unique set of I'll, skills. I'm looking at my picture. I'll right jump now. in there. All right, John. I want I want Vinny's. I want Vinny's because not only can I blow shit up, but I can play <laughs> in a really nice garden afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's true. That's true. All right. That's good. All right. Liam or Disney John? Anybody? I think I want Helga's kick-ass-ness that she has. like (laughs) Or like Black Widow-esque. Yeah. All right. You know, uh, I don't think you, I don't think you could pull off that you know that intro though because you know no I'm not <laughs> I'm sexy kidding. like that I, I'm uh, me I'm roly poly yeah none of us are <laughs> none of us are well you know some people are into that you know. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't heard anybody pick mold yet I'm just saying <laughs> uh, oh that's terrible uh, okay because we Liam? don't know all the subways are built nobody needs tunnels anymore oh. <laughs> Um, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Milo's brain. I would I would love to be that smart, and okay. I'm all about the histories and the mythologies and the lores anyway. So I I would love to be even smarter and even better at it. So if you could if you could have one of the Atlantean flying machines, which sea creature would it be modeled after? Hammerhead shark. Wow, didn't even think about it. No, okay, hammerhead wow. shark. Ooh, nope. Anybody else? Oh, that's that's tough. Um, Mantas look cool, but the hammerhead shark looks vicious. Oh yeah. Well, if we're going for vicious, I'm yeah. I'm gonna pick a barracuda because I feel like that would be like the Lamborghini of the Atlantean vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. All right, John. Oh man, uh, John kind of stole my answer, so I'm gonna have to drop back ten and punt, and I'll go with um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a megalodon. I want something. Ooh. Oh, you! Oh, you're the tank. Okay, <laughs> very cool, very cool. All right, all right, I like that. Okay, uh, so what famous archaeological site would you like to visit? Oh my God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Why it's oh Machu Picchu. All right. Oh, Machu Picchu is cool. That's very cool. All right, uh, Liam. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Greek Parthenon. 
All right, that's I, cool. I love I love me my ancient Greek mythology. I want to go to the Parth- Parthenon. That'd be fun too. Yes, it would. John? We all get to go together. So where are we all going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Valley of Kings, Egypt. Oh, all right. nice. All right. Very cool. So if you if your situation was similar to Milo's at the end of this movie, do you stay in Atlantis? Yes. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. I'm staying yeah. in Atlantis. Are you kidding me? Yep. All right. That friendship's gonna blossom, baby. Yeah, it yeah. is. And she's gonna live forever, and you're gonna be dead anyway. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I, I which is, we don't know. Question. Which is a whole other question. You don't know how the crystal science works. I know. Like, it, maybe maybe, it, maybe it makes him that. live longer too. Yes, I know. Could be something in the water. You don't know, man. Yeah, she's in the water anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh any final thoughts before we give it a rating, Disney John? Um, if you've never seen this movie, do yourself a favor, regardless of what Dayton says. Go watch it. It's really <laughs> yes, good. Yes, go watch it. Please do not listen to this. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, all right, fine. Whatever. Uh, John, any parting words? Uh, parting words for, again, it it does kind of exceed its grasp a little bit, but it, it was very ambitious for what they were trying to do. So, like John said, go see it. Ignore what the host says. <laughs> and and hey, if you like the artwork and the adventure type story and the steampunk, go check out some Hellboy, be it the Mike Mignola comics or the uh, Guillermo del Toro movies. Go check it out. Okay. I will say that there are parts of this movie that I do truly enjoy, despite what you guys may think. Um, it's just not a whole movie to me. I, there's, as I mentioned before, there are issues I have with it. I am not mad that I watched it, uh, but since I've watched it a few different times, this is another thing. It took me, I watched it three times sitting down in front of the TV and fell asleep all three times in different spots. So that, you know, and that was at different times of the day. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't after work or whatever, so I just don't even know. Uh, I mean, you I did, fall asleep in movies a lot, though. My dude. you know what? Like John and I, Disney John and I, went and saw the new Avatar movie, which is over three hours long. Over three after, hours after I went to work, and I did not fall asleep. So the Man, our eyeballs were <laughs> wide open for the whole thing. Uh, with all you, we didn't even walk out of there until after midnight. So anyway, yep. Um, Drinking game. Take a shot every time Dayton says he slept <laughs> through a movie. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, but anyway, like I said, I, I watched it for this uh, podcast and I will tell you that I am in no hurry to rewatch it anytime soon. Um, but anyway, so let's give it our ratings. Uh, choices are never again. Stream it, buy it used, buy it new or the 4K Blu-ray. Disney John, what say you? Buy it new, baby. Buy it new. All right. Liam? I'm I'm gonna go even higher. I'm gonna I'm gonna see your buy it new and raise you a 4K Blu-ray because I bet you that that's gonna have some sweet sweet bonus features on it, and I'm all about those bonus features. All right, I have some great making of, you know, cool stuff like that. I'm all about that. And apparently, the deleted scene that you know John chose is oh favorite. yeah yeah you yeah. can check out the Vikings deleted scene. I bet you. All right, uh, John rating uh, rating. I would say. Sh- I would say buy it used. Um, you know, if you're really into it, buy it new. My only, my only thing is, 
avoid the sequel. The sequel is not garbage. Good. <laughs> they I've, took I've this heard. and added, they mixed it with Scooby Doo. Oh, oh no! So yeah. many of those direct-to-video sequels were just so bad for Disney. They just need to so bad. I was about to say you want to talk about the worst Disney movie ever made. Let's talk about some of those direct-to-DVD sequels. <laughs> I don't about, even count those. Let's yeah. talk about Bells Enchanted Christmas for a minute. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to say stream it. Like I said, it's worth seeing. Um, there, there are <laughs> way better Disney movies that are worth buying or worth having uh, this one. Um, and if you know what, if you stream it and you're like, oh, well, it was better than he said, then you know what? You can go buy it used uh, for many half price books across this country. Cause uh, I always see it there. So anyway, I just mean coming from you, the man who thinks Mr. physical media physical is better media. than streaming. That's right. To be fair, we do own a copy of it. I did buy it used, very cheap, at half price books. But if I'm giving it a rating, I'm going to say stream it. So that's you know, oh, that's what I'm so, saying. Okay. <laughs> I, listen, I, I mean, all kidding aside, I. I do agree with you. I, I it, it's a good movie. I watched it for the probably third time in my life for this podcast. I probably won't be watching it again anytime soon. I'd right. rather watch like I feel like this is a cut rate uh national treasure. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's that's not fair because National <laughs> Treasure has the glory that is Nicolas Cage. Like that's not a fair fight. <laughs> I uh, started another fight. Oh, well, okay. Um, Cage. So, <laughs> uh, so before we go, just a reminder on our first episode, the black cauldron, um, Jeff from the event by podcast tasked me with at the end of this little experiment of these seven episodes, I am supposed to do a top seven of these underrated Disney animated movies. So be prepared for that. And uh, on our final episode, I will put them all in order where I think they go for me. And if you want to do your own list after we air the last one, then feel free. All right. Thank you guys for stopping by and discussing this underrated Disney animated movie. Uh, thank you, Disney John. A pleasure. Thank you, Liam. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And thank you, John. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'd like to take a moment to thank the listeners. Uh, we have quite a few listeners all across this big blue ball, and it's awesome that you spend a little time with us every week, or maybe you binge us and do like four or five episodes in a month and don't hear from us again for like two or three months, but whatever. Either how you spend your time <laughs> listening to us is fine. Uh, we do really, truly appreciate it. It is totally awesome. Uh, reach out to us on social media and let us know uh, what you think about our episodes and about what you think of this particular Disney animated film. We are on Twitter at DockingBay77Pod, on Facebook at DockingBay77Podcast, and you can send us an email at DockingBay77Podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to help us uh, other ways, you can go to Patreon and search DockingBay77, and for as little as $1 a month, you can help offset the cost of producing this podcast. A quick note, it is February. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> It was just Christmas. Uh, it is February, know, right? and I'm already thinking very heavily about spring. Uh, in April, come join me and Disney John at Lexicon at the Clarion Conference Center in Lexington, Kentucky, April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. It is a board game and RPG tabletop convention. Uh, it is a lot of fun. 
and Disney John and I will have our a prototype of a game we are currently working on. Stop by, say hi, and try out the game. We have a bonus episode coming up February 10th. It is the 45th anniversary of Van Halen 1, the debut album from, of course, Van Halen. Uh, Tim Brown, Mike Vermillion, and the co-host of the Film by Podcast, Brad Kozo, stop by to discuss this awesome album. Do yourself a favor. Watch more movies. Mm-hmm. And remember, physical media is better than streaming. The Donkey Bay 77 Podcast is produced and edited by Dayton Johnson. Recorded with Rode Pod Mics, the Zoom Pod Track P4, and edited on Audacity. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. You can find him on YouTube and Bandcamp. Thank you for listening. And remember, physical media. We'll try that again.